Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I'm going to talk about the Lord your healer this morning. The Israelites had a covenant of healing with God. And the Lord told them if they obeyed his commandments, the results would be health and well-being. And in this verse that we read to you, God listed four conditions for healing. He said, number one, listen to his voice. Number two, do what is right. Number three, give ear to his commands. Number four, keep his laws. It's interesting that two of these requirements have to do with attentive listening. And two of them have to do with careful obedience. And then God said this would be the result. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. Now, the Hebrew word translated put, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. The Hebrew word translated put is in what is called the kal stem. I don't expect you to know that, and it's not important. But that means it's an active verb. The action is being performed by the subject. However, listen carefully, often in cases like this or in verses like this, even though the verb is in an active tense, It should be correctly interpreted as the subject permitting something to happen. Let me give you another example from the same book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 7 verse 3, God told Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. But then later in Exodus chapter 8 verse 32, and verses like this are found throughout the book of Exodus, it says, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go so who hardened pharaoh's heart god said i will do it pharaoh said no actually i'll do it so who who hardened pharaoh's heart you see well if god hardened pharaoh's heart if god made him stubbornly refuse to obey god's word then pharaoh could not be held responsible for his actions The only way to reconcile this apparent contradiction, it's not a contradiction, but it it, it looks like one on the surface, is to understand that God permitted it to happen. He permitted it. I'll give you another example. In the book of Romans, uh, Bible school students and others who study the word will recognize this. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about how the world is suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And three times in chapter 1, we find this expression, God gave them up. He gave them up, you know, to the lust of their, you know, hearts and, and to degrading sins and gave them up to a debased mind. What does that mean? It means he left them. He let, them, he let them carry on in their destruction. He no longer attempted to restrain them. You know, that can happen in people's lives where God is dealing with people. God is trying to restrain them. But when they persist, like Pharaoh, God will say, all right, then, then you can have it your way. Amen? So keeping that in mind, Exodus 15, verse 26, could and actually should be translated, I will not allow... I will not permit 
any of these diseases to be put on you that I have permitted to be put on the Egyptians. Because God is not the author of sickness and disease. I said, uh, I don't think you heard me. God is not the author of sickness and disease. Friends, if God the Father makes people sick, why did Jesus heal the sick? In that case, he would be working against his Father. He would be undoing the will of the Father. Let me ask you this question. Does God tempt people to sin so that then after they sin, Jesus can forgive them? Certainly not. Certainly not. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 13, I'll wait for it. I'll wait for it. There it is. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Can Christians be tempted? Don't look at me like you don't know the answer to that question. You know better than I do the answer to that question is yes. But God is not the tempter. Amen? Well, likewise, taking that same thought in James chapter 1, verse 13, let's say it this way. Let no one say when he is sick, God has made me sick. For God himself is not sick, and he doesn't give sickness to anybody. Someone said, well, the, the Lord put this sickness on me. Well, the Lord doesn't have any sickness. <laughs> He's not sick. Jesus is not up in heaven with a runny nose and a sore throat. There's no epidemic, there's no pandemic in heaven. Angels are not wearing masks. We've seen a few devils wearing them. No, let's move on. But uh, hallelujah. Uh, forgive me. Amen. He said, I am the Lord, your healer. He didn't say, I'm the Lord, your disease spreader, your infirmity maker. Actually, the expanded translation of that verse says this, I am the Lord, your physician. Well, doctors are not in the business of making well people sick. Their concern is to make the sick well. So when you go to the doctor's office, you go to the clinic, you know, the hospital, we have some doctors here today, I think. So when you go to the doctor's office, you know, you see sick people. You know, you know some of them are all bandaged up. Some of them, you know, you know, you know, bent over in pain and all sorts of things. They're waiting to see the doctor. They want to get well. I've never seen just well people waiting their turn so they can get sick. What brings you here today? Well, I'm perfectly well, but I thought you could give me a disease. Well, he said, I'm the Lord, your healer. I'm the Lord, your physician. He was Israel, Israel's physician. Is he yours? Is he yours? Yes. Hallelujah. So going back to Exodus 15, 26, basically to sum it up simply, God told Israel, if you keep my law, I will protect you from sickness. However, we today as believers in Christ, we're not under the law. Now, that's a fact. Notice this scripture, Romans chapter 7, verse 6. But now we are released from the law. Notice that. Now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit 
and not in the old way of the written code. So that means it's not enough to serve God. You must serve him the way he wants to be served. So you could be serving him the old way, and that's not the correct way. You have to serve him the new way. Amen? So what is the old way of the written code? That's the law. That's the law of the old covenant. See? And see, he says we died to that. I died to the law. Amen? In fact, in another place, Paul said, through the law, I died to the law. But what is the new way of the spirit? Well, in Romans 8, 2, it says the law. See, there's the word law, but it's used differently. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it sets you free. Hallelujah. In the new birth, God has inscribed his laws upon our hearts. That's the miracle of Christianity. And he, we have the very nature of God in our spirits by the Holy Spirit. So keeping that in mind, we could paraphrase Exodus 15, 26 this way. Instead of saying, if you keep my law, we could say it this way. If you will be led by my spirit, I will not allow sickness in your life. If you will follow the direction, the leading, the unction of my spirit, I will not allow sickness in your life. I am convinced there are many Christians who would enjoy better health if they would be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, in 1984, I had the privilege to travel with a small singing group. I wasn't much of a singer even now. But, uh, but I had the privilege of traveling with a small singing group into Eastern Europe. So we went to the countries of Hungary. And at that time, it was Czechoslovakia. Now it's two countries. And then uh, what was then Yugoslavia is behind the, what we call the Iron Curtain. And, uh, and we... We sang in churches and shared the word of God. It was, it was a wonderful experience, you know. And uh, the people, uh, particularly in the country of Hungary, the, the people of Hungary were so sweet and they were so hospitable. And everybody wanted us to come to their house for quote-unquote tea. But when we got there, we found out it wasn't tea, it was dinner. Big meal. And they insisted that you eat. And when you finished the last bite, they filled your plate up again. They didn't ask what you care for more. They stood behind, the, the, the host didn't sit at the table. They stood behind us and they were watching you. And then, you know, they brought in two more plates and filled that one up, you know. And so they were just stuffing us. I don't know why they call that country hungry. <laughs> Anyways. So, so we ended up eating like, you know, five and six times a day. Maybe some of you do that now. I don't know. We ended up eating five and six times a day, and it was too much, you know. And the, the older missionary woman that led our team, you know, this was many years ago. And, of course, I was, you know, I was young. I'm young now, but I was even younger then. And, and uh, so the woman that, that led our team, she didn't want to offend anybody. And so she, she'd refused, she would not refuse any invitations. So, like, we would go from one house 
to another house. We're like Job's children. Just go from one house to another house eating and eating. We're not even hungry, you know. And, and I knew in my heart, listen, seriously, I knew in my heart that, that, that we, can't go, we can't go on like this. This is not right. We can't do this. But she, she persisted, you know. So I personally, you know, just refused to eat. I, I wasn't ugly about it, but I just refused to eat. I knew it. I knew I shouldn't do that. Well, later on, the leader of our team got sick. And she was rendered incapacitated. I mean, she, she can't do anything. We have to, everybody has to care for her and move around. And so finally, you know, we, I think we went to another country and the doctors examined her and said, you have a blockage in your intestines. Yeah, it's all that Hungarian food. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you'll be led by the Spirit, he'll lead you into not only healing, but divine health. It's not God's will for you to be sickly, weak, constantly infirm. You should have vigor and vitality. Amen. Several years ago, um, my teeth, the, the enamel on my teeth, you know, the outer coating, the enamel on my teeth began to erode. And, uh, you know, I, had, I went to the dentist several times and they, you know, they covered over those areas of erosion. And the dentist, more than one dentist said to me, see, you're either grinding your teeth at night when you're asleep or you're brushing your teeth too hard. So, you know, they, they want my wife to stay awake and, and see if I'm grinding. <laughs> and Jeppy's a light sleeper anyway. She sleeps with one eye open. Anyhow, you... <laughs> Honestly, you cannot, you can't do anything. She knows everything that's going on. <laughs> so she was listening for my grinding and she said, no, I don't, I don't hear you grinding your teeth, you know. And I didn't brush my teeth too hard, you know, brush with toothpaste. You, know, you don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, after the service, ask one of the ushers and they'll demonstrate. It's a good idea. <laughs> so they, I knew I wasn't brushing my teeth too hard. So, you know, it's kind of a mystery. What's the cause of this? You know, this terrible the enamel all wearing out. Had to get it all, you know, fixed and everything like that. Well, I was actually in the state of Magalea uh, holding a meeting there. And I just, they, the folks there were very kind. They just served me lunch. And I finished eating it. And uh, I don't know why I didn't do this earlier. But I'm alone in my, my room there. And I said, Lord, why are my teeth eroding like this? You know, you said you'd keep all my bones, so I think that includes my teeth. So uh, instantly, my eyes just happened to fasten or, or, or were directed to two empty bottles of Coca-Cola. Tanda Matla. Which I just finished consuming. And I heard inside, I'm not lying, I heard inside me a still small voice say, that's your problem right there. And see, the thing is, in those days, I used to drink like minimum of two liters of Coke every day. You young people don't follow that example because when you're my age, you'll look like two liters of Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped it and the erosion didn't spread anymore. Now, I must confess to all of you that every once in a while, I'll have a little bit like if we have a guest speaker, I don't want him to feel that I'm not, that I don't want to fellowship with him. But, but Jeppy will never give me Coke. Not in, not, in, not in India. Forget it. Warden, can I have a Coke? Back to yourself. All right, anyways. 
Amen. See, the Lord will, maybe, maybe you need to make a change somewhere in your lifestyle. And that, that's, that's part of the answer for you, see. Then again, I remember hearing Kenneth Copeland share a testimony. You know, he's a wonderful, famous international Bible teacher. Great man of faith, of course. And so uh, this was a few years back. And he was suffering from migraine headaches, you know. Not just a, a mild headache, the terrible, you know, head-piercing, you know, headache. And he, he uh, you know, he stood on the word of God. He confessed in faith and, and believed God. And he didn't get any better. He's getting worse. And so he, he had enough of that. So he decided that uh, he was going to uh, take a little break and go out into the, into the forest, out into the woods, to a remote cabin. And, and there he's going to fast and pray until he gets healed. And he told his wife, I don't know how long I'll be gone. I may be gone for a few days, a few weeks. I may be gone for a few months. If I don't come back, just don't, don't look for me. You know, he's very determined. He's a very determined person anyways. And, and so he went and, and, and went to this place. And the very first day, in fact, he'd only been there a few minutes in the cabin. He was praying. And he said the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart like a still, small voice. Stop drinking coffee. I mean, he just got there. Sometimes we think we've got to fast and pray for like four weeks or something. You get the answer like in four minutes. If you'll listen, it won't take so long. It's not that God is slow to speak. It's that we're hard of hearing. But he thought to himself, no, 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 that, that, that couldn't be God. That doesn't sound spiritual. I mean, the answer must be a, a spirit of, of, of migraines or a migraine devil or, or you know, a, a stronghold in the heavenlies. It has to be it has something like that. Stop drinking coffee. That couldn't be God. So he went on praying. And after again some time, he heard inside of him, still small voice, say, stop drinking coffee. So he realized, no, that is God. So he you know, packed up and went home. And his wife said, so soon? You just, you just, <laughs> you're back already? Yeah, I got it. So he did that. He stopped drinking coffee and the migraines left. Now, for all of you, please be aware. That's what the Holy Spirit said to him, Kenneth Copeland, for his situation. I didn't say it's a sin to drink coffee. We have a coffee bar in the foyer. I'm not announcing that that's closed now. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that's what God told him. I didn't say it was a sin to drink Coca-Cola. I know you're rebuking me, but I'm telling you. But it might not be wise for some people to do things or do things in excess. Praise the Lord. Anybody here today? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. A doctor could examine you and diagnose your case. But if you refused to listen to him, he really can't help you. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, that is the great physician talking. But if you won't listen to him, he's going to be very limited in how he can help you. Often when we pray for healing, we expect that some kind of power is going to fall on us and suddenly we're going to feel this warm something and, and then all the pain is gone. And that, that can happen. That certainly can happen. But then again, sometimes we pray in faith for healing and God responds by giving us instructions. See, the Lord is your physician. He's your healer. But you can't tell him how he's going to do it. One time Jesus spit in the mud, in the ground, made mud and smeared it on a blind man's eyes and said, go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. You'll come back seeing. 
Well, that's not my preferred way of receiving healing. What if we had a big bucket of mud here this morning? It says, all of you who are sick, come down here, and I'm going to smear mud on your face. <laughs> then again, one time they brought someone to Jesus, and he spit on him. He spit. You know that's true, right? He spit on that person. So, I mean, you, you can't read that verse in the Bible and think, all right, I found my ministry now, the spitting ministry. <laughs> you know, when, when Sister Toka says, bless the person next to you, don't lean over and go, <laughs> you are now blessed. <laughs> Evidently, certainly, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to minister to those people that way. One thing about it, they got healed. So if you spit on somebody and they don't get healed, that may be the beginning of your jail ministry. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Like Mark Hankin says, just because you understand the principles of faith, that doesn't mean you know exactly how God will work your miracle. Amen. Or let's move on. Notice with me Romans chapter 13, verse 9 and 10. Are you still here? All right, some of you, I'm not sure. Okay, Romans chapter 13, verse 9 and 10 says this. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word or in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Well, sin is breaking God's law. But Romans 13, 9 tells us that the entire law, all the written code can be summarized in one word, love. Because if you walk in love towards others, you won't sin against them. You won't, you won't mistreat them. You, you, you won't take unfair advantage of them. So that means every unloving attitude and every unloving action is sin. I said every step outside of love is sin. See, a lot of people, oh boy, <laughs> a lot of people, they have their little definition of sin. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't spit, I'm righteous. No, no, I'm sorry, God expects more than just those three or four little things. Come on, some people never smoke, but man, they have a smoky attitude. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. And sin opens the door to the adversary, the enemy. And if you open the door to the devil, he's going to come in. In fact, if there's just even cracked open, he'll bust the door down. And when he has access to your life, he's going to create mischief for you. So we could combine Romans 13.10 with our text, Exodus 15.26, we could paraphrase, we put those two verses together and we could paraphrase it this way. If you walk in love toward others, God will keep you from sickness. I said, if you walk in love toward others. Now, when we talk about love, we're talking about how you treat people. Some people say, oh, I am a man of love, deep love, Brother John. I love ice cream. I love walks in the park. I love, I love fishing and hunting and, and, and she loves cooking. And it, no, we're talking about how you treat other people. And that has something to do with being healed. Amen. 
So that means, you know, you could know all of the scriptures on faith and healing and still be sick. Uh, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, this is the easy to read version. The important thing is faith. Now, most people stop reading there. Yes, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Wait a minute. The kind of faith that works through love. So maybe you have faith, but you got the wrong kind. You may have the wrong kind. Faith without love doesn't work. And faith that doesn't work is worthless faith. It's dead faith. And like I said to you earlier, it'd be better not to have faith than to have dead faith. I'd rather not have a dog than to have a dead dog. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So walk in love. And God said, I'll keep sickness away from you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, uh, you know, I was very interested when I heard this testimony from Brother Hagen and, and, and many of us, you know, who have read his books or, of course, heard him preach, you know, have, have heard this before, but others may not have heard this and it'll bear repetition. But Brother Hagen was uh, preaching in one church and he quoted from 1 John 3.15 where it says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And then after quoting that verse, he also added this phrase. He, he said, you know, if you hate anybody, you're a murderer. And he says, and that includes your mother-in-law. <laughs> right? And so after the service was over, the pastor's wife spoke with him and said, Brother Hagen, I'm so confused by your preaching. I, your preaching has just... See, when, when people don't want to accept the truth, a lot of times they say, I don't understand that. One time I preached on... Stop. Just take a moment here. One time I preached on tithing. And when the service was over, one man came to me and said, I just, I just don't understand it. I said, what is there to understand? <laughs> now, they don't want to do it, so they pretend like they don't understand it. You know? She said, I'm so confused by your preaching. He said, why? She said, I hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> and he said, well, in that case, you don't have eternal life abiding in you. She said, well, you know I'm a pastor's wife. I've been to Bible schools. Yeah, but the Bible says if you hate anybody, you're a murderer. You don't have eternal life. And she was really getting confused or concerned. And he said, listen, look me right in the eye and say out loud, I hate my mother-in-law. And then tell me what you sense in here. And she said, I hate my mother-in-law. And he said, what's going on? She said, something down here is scratching me. He said, yeah, you see, that's the spirit of God. That's the love of God that's in your spirit trying to restrain you. See, that love's not in your flesh, it's in your spirit. Your problem is you're letting your flesh dominate you. And so she, she, she accepted that. And then later on, I think he met uh, that woman again. And she said, Brother Hagin, you know what? You're right. I don't hate my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful person. I was just letting my carnal feelings get the better of me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't have to raise your hand. I know who you are. But this woman, this pastor's uh, wife, this woman's daughter suffered from epileptic seizures. She periodically would have these fits where she would, you know, uh, become unconscious or, 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 you know, have all kinds of, uh, uh, of uh, flailing her limbs and, and, and gnashing her teeth and that type of thing. And so the girl, the girl went into, at, around that time, the girl went into one of these attacks. And so the, the woman called Brother Hagen, can you come and minister to my daughter? So Brother Hagen and his wife got in the car and were on their way. And Brother Hagen said, inside the car, like behind me, 
I heard a voice. I think he said to me it was like audible, like an audible voice. And that voice said, I said in my word, if you obey my commands, I'll keep sickness away from you. In the New Testament, I said that all the law is fulfilled in one word, love. So he told, so he said to Brother Hagin, don't pray for the, the girl. Don't lay hands on the little girl. Tell the mother to say this, Satan, I'm walking in love. Take your hands off my child. So he got to the house. The, the girl is there in this convulsion. And Brother Hagen told the mother that. And she didn't hesitate right away. She just said, Satan, I'm walking in love. Take your hands off my child. And as fast as you can snap your fingers, the, the, the attack ceased. All the symptoms subsided. They were gone. And the girl was completely well. In fact, Brother Hagen later asked the same woman, did, you ever, did, did your daughter ever have another attack? She said, one other time, some several years later, she started to have that same initial symptoms. And I said the same thing, Satan, I'm walking in love. Take your hands off my child. And, and it stopped and never happened again. Notice it's interesting. The Lord didn't instruct the woman to say, Jesus, I'm walking in love. Jesus, take your hand off my child. Because Jesus isn't giving anybody epilepsy. His hand is a healing hand. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. So God said he is our healer, right? And 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says God is love. So what does that mean? Love heals. Love heals. Jesus, the Bible tells us, the Gospels tell, tell us that Jesus was often moved with compassion toward the sick. And healed them. We see that, right? So Jesus was not motivated by fame or fortune. He wasn't trying to build up some big organization or, 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 or you know, hoping that the news media, India Today, CNN, will come and interview him. And then, then I'll, I'll write a bunch of books. I'll make a lot of money. And then I'll go on a speaking tour. And next thing you know, you know I'll, be run, I'll run for government. I'll, I'll run for public office. No. He was compelled by love. Love. So if you want God to use you to bring healing to others, you're going to have to have a big heart. You're going to have to love people. Amen? You'll have to take the blinders off your face, just like me, my, my problem, my situation, my difficulties, my challenges, and, and be blind to everybody else around you. They also have difficulties as well. I think the greatest part of love, it's so quiet today, but I know Jesus is with me. The greatest part of love today is empathy. I said the greatest part of love, I believe, is empathy. That means you can relate to someone else's struggles. You know what they're going through, maybe because you've been through it yourself. And that's why if the Lord has healed you of a certain condition or delivered you from a certain area, God can use you. Very often God will call you and use you to bring healing and restoration to others who are struggling in the same way. Amen. Uh, my pastor in America, uh, uh, he had a terrible, severe back problem. He couldn't stand up straight. You know, he could barely walk. And uh, it was just, you know, night and day, terrible pain throughout his back. But by simple faith in the word of God, praise God, he was healed, perfectly healed. 
And I mean, I've known him for uh, more than 30 years and I've never seen him with any back problem. And, uh, but very often when Brother Hagen uh, was having healing meetings in different places, he would call my pastor to come forward and minister to those with back problems. And he said, because Pastor Phil has just a special anointing to minister to people with back problems. And I think the, one of the main reasons is he can have great empathy on others with that problem because he's been there. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm coming to the home stretch right now. Please fasten your seatbelt. Get ready. We're going to take off. We could further paraphrase Exodus 15, 26 this way. We could further paraphrase it this way. God said, if you will listen to my word and do it, you'll be healed. Psalm 107 verse 20 says this. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The Fenton translation says this. He sent out his word and it healed. The word healed. The contemporary English version, by the power of his own word, he healed you. It's interesting. It doesn't even say he sent out, sent forth his power and healed them. I mean, that would make sense, but it doesn't say that, not in this verse. Or it doesn't say he sent forth his spirit and healed them. That certainly would be true, but that's not what it says. He sent his word and it healed them. There's healing in the word. There's healing in the word of God. God's word brings healing. In Hebrews 1.3 we read this. That Christ upholds the universe or the worlds by the word of his power. He upholds everything. He not only created everything. He upholds. He sustains everything. Notice this. By the word of his power. If that verse had said by the power of his word. That would mean that. Jesus' words have power. And that's certainly true. That's right. But it doesn't say that. The Greek literally says the word of his power. And that means all of Jesus' power has words. So whenever the Lord wants to do something powerful, he speaks. The Roman centurion recognized this in Matthew 8, 8. When he said to Jesus, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Christ has spoken. You have his word. And if you will give voice to the word of God, you'll be healed as well. The problem is, he said, but only say the word. Typically, we only say the word on Sunday morning. We got to speak in agreement with God's word on Monday morning too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I know what's going on. I've got you for like an hour, less than an hour. And then the devil has you the rest of the week. Hmm? I, I, I'm giving you the truth of God's word, but the devil's waiting for you at home with his bag of lies. So you got to make sure that you hold fast and speak the word of God. Some people can speak the word only when they feel good. When you're feeling real chipper and just real bright, you say, well, he is my healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. But then they get a sore throat, a headache, a cold, and they go, <coughs> my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> now you got to speak the word only. 
Some people speak their feelings only. Have you noticed how many, how many times people talk about their feelings? I don't feel like going to church this morning. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like walking in love right now. I don't feel like being honest. Nobody asked you how you felt, darling. <laughs> you just have to obey the word of God. You have to be led by the spirit no matter how you feel. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a happy day in your life when your feelings are no longer in the driver's seat. If I live by my feelings, most of the time I wouldn't preach on Sunday. I just stay home in bed. Amen. But you got to obey God. You got to believe God. First Peter 1.23 says his word is living and lasts forever. His word is living. There's life in his word. The word of God releases life. Peter compares it to seed. When the seed is planted in the soil of your heart, it releases the life of God. So if you need more life, you need more word. Amen. Your flesh right now is thinking, hurry up, finish. I'm hungry. Uh, I'd like to go to the coffee bar. Uh, you know, can we do something else? But, but you got to say, come on, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Come on, come on. We need some more seed planted in the soil of our hearts right now because we're looking for a harvest of healing in our lives. Hallelujah. And you don't get healed watching Hindi cereals all afternoon. You don't get healed watching a cricket match on television. You got you to gotta get the word planted in you. Come on, we're here planting some, we're sowing seed today. Hallelujah. I'm slinging seed all over this place. I'm looking for some fertile ground. Hallelujah. When the living word lives in you, it will uphold you. The word of his power will uphold you too. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've seen people who didn't even, we didn't pray for them. We didn't lay hands on them. We didn't do anything. But they just heard the truth. They just heard God's word. And just sitting right there, they realized, I'm healed. Sometimes we didn't, nobody even knew they had anything wrong with them. But that's okay. God did, and he took care of it. Hallelujah. So, you know, a healing meeting doesn't mean that we have to pour, you know, a liter of oil on your forehead, and all the elders have to lay hands on you and just pray for half an hour till we're blue in the face. You can just hear the word. Just hear the word and receive it, because he sent forth his word and healed them. Woo, hallelujah. Would you stand with me to your feet right now? Praise the Lord.